0: I'm going to Yosemite National Park about once a month for work and after the long days I try to spend some time in the Sawtooth Mountains because they're beautiful. Well, after work I decided to drive down a long dirt road between two mountains to a place called the Pioneer The scenery is amazing. What was strange this time is that there wasn't a soul around and I hadn't seen any other cars on the road at all which was strange because that area is a very popular camping spot. So, as I reached the end of the road I stopped and got out and started taking some pictures. Photography is a hobby of mine, I was maybe 100 yards from my truck and out of nowhere I got the most
2: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
0: Gut-wrenching feeling that there was something in the woods just ahead of me watching me. I was at the trailhead and from what I could see was that I was the only person there. No other cars, no nothing. So I stopped, looked around, and walked back to my truck nice and slow. If you think a predator is around, running isn't always a good idea. I didn't see anything, but I believe that humans, just like other animals, can sense predators. After sitting in my truck for about five minutes, I hit the road. I like primitive camping and me and my wife go out sometimes by ourselves this time we decided to go to yosemite anyway we usually bring the dog and spend a couple nights this time we invited some friends for drinking shenanigans on the first day we heard a vehicle coming down the road not odd there are maybe 10 more sites on this several miles of road it's a dirt road with nothing there but these primitive sites one way in one way out what is odd though is that the vehicle was a meat packing truck, or maybe ice cream truck. It was old, really old, and all the lettering slash signage was faded or taken off. It was this fading beige and decrepit. None of us actually made out the person driving it, but there were no tags slash plates on the back at all. So we all get creeped out but collectively kind of decide it wasn't as weird as we thought and get back to enjoying our night. Flash forward to the next morning, my mom calls. She is panicking, freaking out. Apparently, some hikers were abducted near us. There are several girls at our site including my wife and she is convinced it was them, no names were released. I wanted to know how near, so I pulled up my GPS and an article I found about it with their last known locations. It was about half a mile away from where we were. I legit don't remember what happened after that, but I'm scouring the news from those years hard to find an article. I want to say they found one of the girls tied to a tree. Apparently there are quite a lot of people abducted and murdered on and near the parkway, finding this. Pretty sure they never found the guy though. I was working as a park ranger for the city park board and a woman had been murdered and the asshole who killed her cut her into six pieces and scattered them around the city. The park is big, but it's within the city, and idiot criminals seem to think they're in the Yukon out there. Little did he know, a camera above the parking area for the garden where I worked caught him. The whole thing was grisly. I had to testify as a witness. My worst memory of it was having to leap over the arm while we were waiting for the cops and shoo a kid and his grandma away so they wouldn't blunder onto the crime scene. It took me a long time to get over the sense that any kind of branch or log on the forest floor could be a sad person. I still hate mannequin hands slash arms. I was hiking in the woods near Yosemite National Park and came upon this weird tree structure in the woods. Stopped to take pics because it was, well, weird. I'd had a walking stick with me that I'd picked up along the way. Well, I set it down as I was taking pics. As soon as I passed this thing, the forest goes silent. No birds, no bugs, no animals, nothing. Then I feel it. The feeling of being watched. And it's intense too. I hike a lot and I've never felt something like that. I get about a quarter mile up the trail before it's unbearable and then I realize in my haste to get going, I'd left my walking stick down the trail at the tree structure. I got so creeped out, I ran back down the hill and as I got to that spot, my stick was gone. I ran so fast I'm surprised I didn't break my ankles. Even my dogs were acting weird. And yeah, I know that if a predator is behind you, don't run, but that feeling of flight is so intense, your rational mind can't override the lower brain when it tells you to run. Doing a big hike in Yosemite on a camping weekend friend and I were doing a day hike during a camping trip in a pretty remote area of National Forest. We got off course with a side trail about halfway into the hike for fun, probably 7 to 8 miles in the forest, and out of nowhere there's an open flat patch with roughly 15 teens dancing in unison wearing very odd matching clothes. There's a couple adults standing around in the same attire and they're playing some very weird, almost enchanted music. The path is designed to walk straight to them and it's somewhat thick otherwise so it's not like we can just avoid them. Before we even started discussing what, the hell, is going on or what to do they in unison freeze and stare at us. The music stops. One of the adults starts banging a drum slowly one beat at a time and the group stands up straight and continues staring at us. No words were spoken and my buddy and I turned and ran the F back as fast as we could to the main trail, which mind you took some time being a few miles off the real trail. We never looked back until we got on the main trail. Saw nothing but my god were we terrified. When we finally got back to our car, in the distance we saw one of the adults in that matching outfit standing at the tree line watching us. So he followed us a good 8 to 10 miles. That ended the camping trip. Went back to our site, packed and left. There are woods and fields in Yosemite, so me and my cousins decided to go for a walk by the river through the fields, as during the day there is relatively little to worry about. However, one of my cousins was walking too slowly and we got caught out there after sunset, which is not good, the area gets quite dodgy at night. We start heading back quickly, when we see poachers with guns in the woods setting parts of it on fire. I guess, park rangers weren't any close. There was no other way out so we'd have to pass by them pretty closely. Unfortunately as we passed by, we entered the area with mobile signal and my cousin's phone started pinging text alerts very loudly. The guys realized they weren't alone, and all hell broke loose when they heard. We ran for it while they chased after us and yelled and screamed at us. Thankfully they never caught up, we had quite a head start, and gave up once we reached the town. I am an avid hiker and profuse camper, whenever I can get the time, and the weirdest thing I have ever seen was neither hiking nor camping. At an elementary school field trip, Me whole 3rd grade class went to Yosemite National Park in the California. We were sitting in this meadow area eating lunch, 99% of us had a yellow box of Lunchables, and we were told we can essentially have recess in the meadow when we were done eating. Well being the little hiker I was slash am, I walked my happy ass around the meadow and walked up to this tree on the top of a small hill in what had to be the widest part of the valley. On the ground not 5 feet before me, and not 50 feet from where we all were sitting and eating lunch and playing around, was the severed leg of a mule deer. It was the left hind leg, I could count the hairs on it from memory. Later that afternoon as we were hiking up a dirt road on one of the mountains our tour guide pointed out scat and asked if we could identify it. I suggested mountain lion, and by golly was I right, we immediately learned that it was less than three days old. It was my twelfth birthday and my friends and I took a very long walk through the Yosemite. After a while, we came upon a farmhouse which we later learned had been abandoned for close to 20 years. We had to hack our way through the overgrowth. Upon reaching the house, we realized that the front porch was collapsed and the door was locked so we decided to go around the side to look through the windows. The windows were too high up for us to easily see inside so we took turns lifting each other up to have a peek the first window went into the kitchen where we could see that everything had been left behind most notably this old yoda mug how could we not be interested so we made our way further around the side of the house ducking under limbs and briars until we found the door to the back porch one of my friends tried to go through it but it didn't lead to anything that was kind of weird and I'm still not sure what the purpose of that room was, but after her near miss at getting inside, my friend insisted we find another way in. So we kept walking, turning the corner around to the back of the house. We were just about to step up to the next window when we noticed an odd heap at the base of the foundation. It turned out to be a dead calf with its eyes missing. It had not been dead for more than a couple of days or we would have smelled it. But since we were in a rural wooded area with other farms nearby we figured it had just wandered off. Even though none of those farms had cows, just fields. My friend was really obsessed with getting that Star Wars mug, so she convinced us to look in the window despite the dead cow. During another visit a few years later, I would nickname it the room with the moose, which is an Invader Zim reference. I was the least interested, so I was the last to look in the window. And when I did, we heard shuffling sounds coming from inside and I swore I saw a pair of shadows move across the wall. And that was the last straw. I let go of the rotting windowsill and as soon as my feet hit the ground, I ran. I could hear my friends calling to me, begging me to come back so we could try to get inside and explore further, but I was done. I ran back through the mess of old bushes, climbed over two fallen trees and discovered the remains of an old rusty swing set on my way out. It didn't make me feel any better about things. I kept running until I reached the dirt road that led to the woods, and there I sat and waited for my friends to catch up. As soon as they did, they began begging me to go back and explore, but I refused. So we went back to my house where we all spent the night. Eventually I gave in and agreed to go back the next day. Upon returning, We found that the calf had been picked clean down to the bone. We did not live in an area with wolves or coyotes. At that point, we were all done with the house. The reason I have photos is because we went back later when we were teenagers. We found evidence of drug use inside. So maybe there were squatters or maybe it really was haunted. My mom and a couple friends and I visited Yellowstone back when I was around 12. My mom had been there a few times and knew the general layout of the major areas. I, however, had no idea where anything was. During the time when Old Faithful erupted, I got separated from my group without noticing. I decided to head towards one of the higher up paths that hugs the tree line to see if I could spot them. I got to the path and looked out, but I didn't see them. So I called my mom and told her where I was and she said we'd all meet up there. I waited right next to a couple of large brown rocks for about 10 minutes playing on my phone before I heard my name in a hushed whisper. I looked up and my mom was standing toughly 15 feet away with a terrified look on her face and a small group of equally worried looking tourists further behind her. She beckoned me to slowly walk towards her not knowing why but sensing her obvious seriousness, I carefully glanced around and, even though I didn't see anything immediately dangerous, carefully walked towards her. As I neared my mom, five or so park rangers appeared jogging up the path. They all took in the situation in under a few seconds and, walking past me, remarkably quickly and silently, made a barrier around the large rocks. Unbeknownst to me, I had just spent 10 minutes calmly standing inches away from not a group of large rocks, but three very large, very quiet, sleeping bison. Suffice to say, my mom kept a much closer eye on me for the rest of the trip. I worked as a park ranger in Yosemite for years. I've been charged by grizzlies, heard a wolf pack howling not far off been in tons of abandoned cabins. Some of that was scary, but none of it was really weird or creepy. The creepiest place I've ever been is Interstate Freeway right of way when I worked for Dot. It's a whole separate travel corridor for homeless slash itinerant people. Most people will never set foot there in their entire lives, though it steps away from residential and commercial development. Bloody, moldy mattresses, torn clothing, drug paraphernalia it just gives you this feeling of sorrow and despair mixed with weariness and fear horrible a group of my friends and i went on a two-week backpacking trip in northern new mexico when we were boy scouts early in the trip we were eating lunch with a few passersby, and one mentioned to us how deer will often lick up the urine of other animals, including humans. This, apparently, is how deer get salt in their diet. The other hikers told us that whenever possible, you should pee on a rock instead of in the dirt, so that the deer don't eat a bunch of dirt while they lick up your urine. We found this funny, but nonetheless, we peed on rocks for the rest of the trip. A few days go by and now we're camped at the summit of Mount Phillips. Deer climb the mountain and can't figure out how to get down. So there were lots of deer at the top. The summit was wide and forested. So it's not like there were just a bunch of deer huddled on a rock. If that's what you're imagining around sunset. I had to pee and my friend had to as well. So we both walked away from camp to do so. As we got to where we were going to pee. We noticed a group of deer standing not too far away. We both began to pee. One of the deer began to approach my friend. It got real close to him. He pointed his stream out further away from his body so the pee would land by the deer. The deer lapped it right up. Then, quickly, the deer turned its head and began drinking straight from the stream. This must have been far too close for my friend's comfort, so he pinched himself off and backed away in a panic. The deer continued to lick up what was left on the ground. This happened just about 10 feet away from me, and I still can't believe I saw it take place. Earlier this summer, I was hiking in the 100 mile wilderness in Maine. A couple days into my trip, I got really sick, sore throat, Headache, fatigue, loss of appetite. About the worst cocktail of symptoms for hiking long distance. I had found a tick on me and I was terrified that I might have Lyme disease. I decided to get off trail and see a doctor, which is easier said than done in the most remote, inaccessible section of the whole Appalachian Trail. Thankfully, there are old logging roads which crisscross the wilderness, so I decided to turn off onto a road which, I was told, led to a campground. There I hoped to find some day hikers and get a ride into town. As soon as I turned off the ad, it started pouring rain, which only increased my misery. A few minutes later I noticed a dog in the woods. Strange, I thought. Then I saw another dog. And another, and another. About a dozen big hunting hounds, fenced off, randomly in the middle of nowhere, Maine. They barked at me, slavering, and pawed at the chicken wire fence, which did not seem strong enough to contain them. This was slightly disconcerting, but the brown trouser moment came when I spotted a lone figure in the woods, what seemed like a tall man in a hooded blue rain jacket and pants. I couldn't see his face, and he just stood there, still as a statue. Severely spooked, I hiked out of there on the double. In the backcountry it's generally good manners to say hello and exchange pleasantries, but this guy didn't say a word. Maybe it was because of the rain, maybe he was feeding bodies to his hounds out there, I may never know. But he definitely saw me, and I could tell that he was watching me go past. I go to school in California's Central Coast, and the school is situated right in the middle of a redwood forest. I think it's just a running joke to put creepy shit in the woods for others to find. I've done some pretty extensive hiking and mountain biking in the area, and I've found a lot of weird stuff in a lot of weird places. A lot of teepees that people have built, and they often have something inside, like a piece of clothing or a note hanging from the wall. I found one structure, several miles from the nearest road or anything, that was probably five feet wide, six feet tall, and 25 feet deep, all built out of sticks and strings. The entire ceiling was covered with strings that hung down, each holding something. Many of them had photographs of creepy-looking places or of people with their faces crossed out. Inside of a weatherproof container at the deepest part of the hut was a sleeping bag and a stack of a bunch of journals. All completely filled out with disjointed scrawled thoughts that looked like complete insanity. Beside the container was a large glass bong that looked chipped but usable. There were also a ton of religious looking items, such as small cement statues. While you're close to the school this stuff is fun to explore because it's just made by bored hiking students and it's actually cool to see. But if you stray too far off campus you go into bordering state slash regional parks, where apparently many of these makeshift shelters are actually where some homeless people live, and I'd rather not be caught rifling through some homeless guy's belongings. About 10 years ago a friend and I were hiking through some random woods in Yosemite, when we came across an old foundation with the stone chimney still standing. Looked fairly old, We continued down a ways when we came across an old graveyard. It wasn't very big so we assumed it was a family plot possibly from the nearby house. There were two pretty large headstones. One was large and rectangular made of a white marble and the other was more of an obelisk and a bit taller. Both of the death dates were late 1800s. We weren't sure if it was still being maintained because it wasn't very overgrown. Also, the white headstone's grave had a perfect rectangle of flowers growing around it. It was late fall and these flowers were still green and blooming. There were a few other smaller headstones that were harder to read. A little further back were 12 sunken and grave-shaped holes with blank rocks at the head. We weren't really sure what they were for, but I was thinking they could be the slaves of the other people. I write down the names on the large headstones and google them when we got back home that night. I found one blog post with the names on them. It was a letter that her aunt had written to someone. She talked about visiting her grandparents on their land. She described the house being on a hilltop. She also mentions the last time she was there after her grandparents had passed away. She said she had visited their graves and described their headstones as we had seen them. She also mentions them being buried with their slaves. Turns out we were right. A creepy but cool thing to have come across. My husband and I went fishing with my little brother every weekend for about two months. We would drive to my grandparents and hike about a mile or two to a somewhat secluded portion of the river which was only accessible through private property or following the river for a while. The river flows around a bend to our left, if we're facing the river, and after that there's a short portion of the river that flows perpendicular to the main part of the river. That side is very overgrown and muddy, not a place people go. The opposite bank is a steep cliff. One night, we're out there fishing, not getting any bites really, and it's a gorgeous clear night, a little cool but not cold. I'm not actually fishing since we only had two poles, so I decided to lay down on the rocks and watch the stars while my husband and brother walked a little ways downriver to cast their lines. Everything's nice and quiet, when suddenly my husband says very softly, babe, look to your left. I turn and see three bright white lights moving around near where the overgrown area is. At first I think damn it, more people. They're gonna ruin our fishing, but as I watch a bit longer, I notice that these lights can't possibly be flashlights held by people. For one, they aren't disappearing behind any of the trees that grow almost right to the water's edge. There's also no bobbing like a person walking, no stops and starts like a person would move through thick brush and mud speckled through with rocks. Of course I freak out, quietly, and quickly hurry the few yards to where the guys are sitting. We watch for a few minutes before my husband finally speaks up. Let's go check it out. My brother agrees and I, being far too much of a pussy, stay behind with the excuse of I'll keep an eye on the poles. The guys strike off quickly, and as they start to go around some trees to see what's on the other side, the lights start to move erratically. I watch as two go the left and the third veer slightly upwards before disappearing for a moment. Though as I watch, that third one pops back up at the very top of a huge tree growing atop a hill on the other side, and one of the others actually starts to drift towards the guys. Finally all three lights vanish, and shortly after my husband and brother return to me. They said they heard no noise or anything, which is impossible for a person to do on that area of the riverbank. Definitely wasn't lightning bugs, which are plentiful here and easily recognized couldn't have been animal eyes, as there was no light source other than the moon to cause a shine, and these lights were pure white and big, yet somehow cast no illumination on the landscape near them. My brother said that to him, it looked like they were actually floating above the river. We stayed a while more, but we were thoroughly spooked and left shortly after. In that time between the light's sudden disappearance and our departure, there were absolutely no bites on the lines and I don't recall even hearing the usual splash of fish jumping for bugs. To this day it is the spookiest thing to happen on the river for me, and I have yet to think of an explanation for. We went back in broad daylight once, but could find no clue as to what it was. We haven't night fished there since. South Manitou Island Michigan. It was an ecology club expedition in high school. After we arrive on the island and set up camp, us boys go for a quick hike to check out the island graveyard that we noticed marked on the map. It's a clear mid-afternoon when we get to the graveyard. As we look around, we all are making smallpox and Oregon trail death jokes. Then, out of nowhere, a bunch of clouds roll in on us. Nothing scary about that typical michigan weather but then we looked down and noticed that foam is coming up from the grass all around us we ran back to camp and had a tough time leaving the fire that night mother's day's hike with my mother and grandmother went really bad when we decided to try a new path this wasn't a big deal as it was a rather self-contained park where all paths led back to one of three entrances but apparently this one did not. Over the next six hours we passed a private country club that I'd never even heard of, abandoned roads in the middle of heavily forested areas, a biking race, a really creepy pond, a large number of gunshots, which for some reason we went towards, but the weirdest was a completely abandoned camp. A dozen cabins, and outhouses, and a few others that were all just rotting away. Nearly pissed myself when a squirrel ran out of the outhouse, but what was really weird was the fact that as far as we could tell, we were miles away from the nearest road. No clue how kids were supposed to have gotten there for the camp. Ended up on the phone with firefighting stepdad arranging a rescue party, but the bikers we passed gave us directions and we somehow ended up at a beach that was only about a five minute walk from the park entrance, after about six hours of blind stumbling. I have spent my entire life camping and hiking all over the place at first i thought of the time i found a wicker baby basket in middle of nowhere in middle of the night but honestly that was nothing compared to what i found as a kid midnight alley is what called an area of wood near my childhood house we used it mostly for bmx but there were tons and tons of trails through it the woods were notorious because someone burnt down a gymnastics place and escaped into the woods Well one time when we were exploring those woods we came upon an area of the ground that wasn't quite right. It was as if someone had taken leaves and sticks and covered a massive hole in the ground. After removing the leaves and whatnot, we found a massive piece of plywood. When we moved the plywood we found hell. A six foot plus deep hole. With only a small yellow plastic chair, like the type you would find in a preschool. On the chair was ripped up cloth and handcuffs. As if someone was locked in hole to the chair. As if a child was tied up down in that hole. I will never forget the sight in my life. I have no idea what happened after that, but it is by far the creepiest thing I've found in the woods. I live in Utah. I went hiking up on the Bonneville shoreline trail that used to be the shore of Lake Bonneville ages ago. This day I picked a different trail to follow, one I'd never been on before. After hiking for a few miles up this trail, I come around a bend and I see two trees that had apparently been uprooted or fallen, and they were placed over the trail in a way that made it look like archway. That by itself wasn't weird, but there were two big elk skulls placed on the end of each tree placed just so that the empty eye sockets of the skull were looking directly at you as you passed under on the trail. I thought that was kinda weird, but you know, whatever, probably just some people thinking they're funny. I shrugged it off and kept going. But as soon as I passed through the threshold of the archway, a cold chill shot up my spine and I felt my hackles rise instantly and goosebumps all over my body. I kept going for a little while cause I didn't want to go back yet. But the whole time I was walking I couldn't shake the sensation that I was being watched. It had me feeling really tense. I walked for a good 10 minutes before I decided to turn around. As I'm walking back, maybe 5 minutes later, it gets real quiet very suddenly. All the birds stopped chirping, all the little animals around stopped moving. It even seemed like the wind died down at that moment too. Total silence. My dad was a real big hunter when I was younger, so I'm very familiar with the idea that sudden quiet in the wilderness generally equals bad news. By this point I had a white knuckle grip on the hilt of my big survival knife as I kept walking down the trail. I passed through the archway again and honestly broke into a full-on sprint. I didn't see anything, but there was something there. I was being stalked, I could feel the eyes still even as I ran away down the trail. I haven't been back to that trail since that day. I don't what it was that was stalking me that day, but there was something there and I don't want to find out what. I was training to hike the Pacific Crest Trail. I came across another hiker's stuff neatly laid out on the side of the trail near Anza, California. I thought it was a little peculiar the hiker was absent. But there was a well-known trail angel's home nearby and I figured maybe he went there. So I took a picture and kept hiking. A week later I hear that a hiker named Chris Sylvia had gone missing at that very spot. I submitted my picture of his neatly laid out stuff to the police. Despite a large search and rescue effort he was never found. It is likely he was either killed and dragged off by a mountain lion or went off somewhere to commit self-harm. Just very strange they never found a body. I was hiking north, he was hiking south. Still makes me uneasy to think I may have missed coming across him by a few minutes or hours. Park Ranger here. I work in a small town with little woods, but I have seen some weird shit. Two men having sex on a swing set.
2: luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns
1: acast powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend
2: Hi, I'm Ando. And I'm Fer. And we host Niñas Bien Podcasts. We want to invite you to listen to our show. Niñas Bien means good girls in Spanish. But you have to know that this is not a podcast for good girls. Or for girls at all. It is a comedy podcast, so everyone is welcome to listen. We talk about sex, relationships, technology. We recommend movies and TV shows and discuss pop culture in general. And there is Chisme Ajeno too.
1: Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere.
0: Acast.com Lady walking her pet turtle. She does this every Saturday. Its name is Troy. LARPers? Late 20s, early 30s people recreating Twilight. Jacob was played by a furry. Man in clown costume feeding the ducks three people sitting on wooden chairs in the middle of a baseball field during a thunderstorm facing away from each other. I was hiking in New Zealand, not far from Auckland, alone, in the bush, and listening to audiobooks. The last one was some H.P. Lovecraft story about Cthulhu, with human sacrifice one of those audiobooks with sound effects and music. So lots of screaming and chanting and weird sounds. But hey, nice sunny day in the bush, awesome tramping, so not scary at all, but a good story to listen to. I decided to set up camp in a cave, a very cool place, used to be a sea cave a couple centuries ago but the ocean has been pushing sand and is now 5 kilometers from there, so it's just sand. The cave is huge, in the last century people used to come here to dance on weekend nights, there even was a wooden floor and all, this is now buried under meters of sand. Well anyway, I set up my tent, start to cook my dinner and eat. Then a guy comes and tells me that he and his friends are coming to play drums and stuff in the cave for about an hour, and am I cool with it? I said sure, I love drums, and the acoustic of the place is sweet so here he comes in the cave with his friends my tent was set up at the back of the cave so i sit there and watch them while finishing my dinner they come and sit in a circle in the middle of the cave between me and the cave entrance and they just sit there for like 15 minutes silently okay i think maybe they are into some kind of yoga or whatever then they begin to scream randomly every one of them like crazy people for about five minutes at this point i'm thinking well that might be some group therapy who am i to judge but still it sounded exactly like the stuff in my audiobook weird after that they began chanting and banging a tambourine reciting prayers in a language that i didn't know then they stopped doing any sound and just stayed standing in a circle silent for about 10 more minutes and then they started screaming and laughing, but each one at a time. After an hour, they just left silently. I didn't sleep very well that night, wondering if they would come back to slog their me for Cthulhu. I was on a hike along the Pacific Ocean in Euclid, Vancouver Island. It was around this time of year, so it was gray and cool and slightly rainy. It was just me and two other people walking along the beach. So we walked along for a good hour or two with nobody around. We walked past lots of driftwood and rocks, etc. I was walking ahead of everyone and saw what looked like some driftwood wrapped in black garbage bags. I started walking towards it and was about to touch the garbage bag. When I noticed the driftwood was arranged in a sort of familiar shape. I took a step back and realized it was a huge seal or sea lion carcass. The garbage bag was its decaying skin, and the driftwood was its perfectly arranged skeleton. The whole skeleton looked to be close to seven feet long from head to tail. I wanted to take the skull, but we decided it was better to leave it in the natural environment. Canoeing on border of Ketiko Provincial Park in Canada and Boundary Waters Canoe Area as a park employee, chose to do a night paddle on calm night with beautiful stars out. Set up camp on an island in the dark. Next morning woke up to find a roughly 3 by 6 by 4 feet high rectangular mound of stones with animal bones laid out on top. During survival training, hearing footsteps about 10 feet away from where we bivouacked. Like, actual bipedal footsteps. Creepy because it was either time to start learning a new step in the training process, brought upon by the instructors, and even more creepy as we found out we were about two hours ahead of any other team and therefore not really a concern for the instructors. Another, camping out in Uwari after a full day of trail riding hearing red coyotes howling in the distance and for the next three hours hearing that howling get closer, enter the camp, then depart the camp. We knew what they were in that they're skittish but it was one of those moments where you can kind of see a rain cloud fast approaching you. You know it's just water and it's not going to hurt you but your body kind of tenses up as you desperately search for cover. I'm sure I have more but I always cancel it out in my head at the moment because, believe it or not, A lot of those creepy noises in the woods are typically just a rock falling from under its own weight or some random nocturnal critter who wants nothing to do with you. Or it's Bigfoot. I was camping at an old World War II prison camp located on a mountain near my city. Mount Lemmon in Arizona. The camp has mostly been torn down, just foundation survives really. I was 9 and didn't know at the time what the origins of the prison camp were, I just thought it used to be an old prison ground that got turned into a campsite once the prison shut down. In a way I was right, but horribly mistaken too. It was the middle of the night and I had to pee, so I left our tent and went over to some nearby trees to do my business. While peeing, I heard crying and then a woman crying something in Japanese. I only caught one word. Tasukit. Only time I've ever stopped peeing midstream, at least successfully. I rushed back to the tent and dealt with my mostly full bladder until morning. I was born in Japan, but my dad got stationed to the US when I was two, so I don't remember it. My dad and mom took the time to learn common phrases to make traversing Japan, Tokyo especially, a lot easier. Tasukit means help me was hiking on some backcountry hills in Idaho with a friend. The land was purchased and a home being built on it, by my friend, and we had permission to pull a couple deer off the land by the new owners. The land was heavily logged in the past and was still springing back, we found a clearing in the woods with some interesting things left behind by the loggers years before. Things like clothes and a coat. We also found an old metal logging hard hat that had been stoved in from the top and had remnants of a lot of dried blood in it. Whoever was wearing it died that day. I have little doubt of that. So me and a few buddies were backpacking in the Dolly Sods wilderness in I think Virginia, and it was pretty normal, however very snowy but one of our campsites looked pretty heavily burnt out. Like not fire pit sized, like the roots of nearby trees were charred and other fallen trees around the site, which was kind of weird because it was completely off the trail. So after the trip, I get back and decide to look up forest fires in that area. Turns out there was one where two guys died. The picture in the article was the same campsite. It was a year or so before, but still kind of weird. I was in Idaho over the summer and went to this remote town a few hours outside of Boise called Atlanta. While Atlanta is only 10 miles by air from the nearest town, it takes 4 hours to drive because the only way in and out of the town by land is a double-track dirt road that weaves up and over a mountain. Anyway, a few friends and I heard that the river running through town had great fishing so we drove there in hopes of a fish-filled weekend. We left Boise around noon and came rolling into the town at dusk. We needed to find a place to camp and decided that driving down a random dirt road would be the best option for finding a place to build a fire and pitch a tent. About 5 miles up a winding dirt road we found a dirt clearing and turnaround surrounded by dense forest. It was flat enough to sleep so we started to unload the truck and set up the tent. I volunteered to find some firewood so I got my headlamp and paced into the forest. I got no more than 10 feet when I saw this varnished, wooden bed frame nailed into a pine tree. No springs or mattress, just the frame with about 50 10-inch nails through the head post and into this huge tree. Red, torn drapes, covered in dirt hung from the base of the frame, and what looked like barbed wire was wrapped around one of the legs. I got the F out of there and ran back to the truck yelling for my friends. They wanted to check it out so I led them back to where it was. Beside the creepy ass bed frame, there were stick formations in the exact same shape as the ones in the Blair Witch Project hanging from the low branches of the tree. Needless to say we got the F out of there and ended up camping on the bank of the river about 10 miles back the way we came. A while ago I solo hiked the Bruce Trail in Ontario. While hiking I crossed paths with many people, typically hiking in the opposite direction. This night sucked. I passed a man on the trail walking the opposite direction. I said hi as is the etiquette on the trail. He stopped and asked me about my hike. I gave him vague answers. After a few minutes of small talk he offered to walk me to my next campsite. I declined. He proceeded to take out several knives including a machete, which is not the etiquette on the trail, talking about his experience handling them. He kept pushing me about where I was going to set up camp that night. We parted ways but I noticed him following me a little ways behind. I stared to run. I ran about 5 kilometer with my my 30 plus pound pack on my back without fatigue. Didn't know I had it in me. I made it to my secondary site just as the sun was setting and made camp. That night, I was sitting outside admiring the city lights far off and having a cup of tea when a raccoon came up to me. I had my backpack right beside me, and he started going through it. I am sitting right beside my bag and this 40 pound raccoon starts to take IT. I start batting at him, nothing. I hiss, I growl, nothing. I pepper spray him. He leaves. I finish setting up camp. And 20 minutes later, big ass aggressive raccoons are trying to get into my tent. I open the tent and pepper spray again. They run away. I hang my pack from a large tree branch about 50 meters away from my tent. While doing this the raccoon team was hissing and growing at me. They were fearless and huge. I basically cried myself to sleep in my flimsy tent that night hoping they wouldn't get into my food and wouldn't attack. To be honest I'm not sure which of the two were scarier. Probably the weird guy with the knives. I'm originally from the east coast but now live out in Montana, one of the first summers I was out here my best friend and his GF drive out camping along the way. Everything went great for them getting out here. But on the way back after they had left Montana apparently they found some weird shit in the middle of nowhere. So it was about 12 hours down to Colorado from here which was their next stop, which went well but they decided to push it and try for the next campground they had marked a few more hours away. They make a turn down some barely marked old dirt road and end up driving for what seemed like hours, at this point they've drive close to 15 plus hours that day well after midnight and they just want to pass out and are now well out of service and just decide to find a place off the road to crash until the sun comes back up and figure it out from there they had just passed a bunch of mounds and figured pull in behind one and fall asleep as they're adjusting the car around As gf said are those teddy bears apparently the mound they had pulled behind was a massive pile of disemboweled teddy bears every one they could see was cut and torn up and then discarded into a truck load-sized pile in the middle of nowhere needless to say they sprung awake and were seriously spooked high-tailed it back down that road until morning and found a town to sleep in freaks him out to this day if a bring up the teddy pile i always thought it was some drug runners That stuff the teddies full of the good stuff ran it over then border made their drop which was then promptly broken down and discarded in the pile they stumbled upon. I went canoe camping with my family two years ago in northern Canada. We had to drive far and eventually turned into a gravel road where at the end we set up camp. When we finished setting up camp we noticed a car parked not too far from us and thought nothing of it. Now we did a large circuit, 150 kilometers, which took 7 days yet we when we came back the car was still there. That night we camped near it like on our first night discussing it. My dad thought the drive was fine, my mom thought he got lost and was worried about the driver. We decided to go back and check out the car in the morning. We get to the car and try to open it. It unlocks. It stinks in the car, but we still snoop around for clues to find out what happened to the driver. I found his wallet in the glove box. He had 2cc, $100 cash, debit card, and SSN card, among a few other things. Not long after my dad spots that's TGE keys to the car is still in the ignition, but by this point the stench in the car is killing us. So we take a breath of fresh air and discuss our findings. We decide to check the truck because we pretty much covered the entire front of the car. As soon as we opened the trunk, the smell hit us hard. The entire back of the car was covered in a blanket and there was what looked like a body underneath. My mom ran away, but I took off the covers. It was just a pile of old clothes. We had no cell phone reception where we were but once we drove on the main road for a bit we called it the suspicious car never knew what came of it though i still wonder if he killed himself in the forest but i guess i'll never know late but camping once in texas just me my then boyfriend and our small slash medium-sized dog Early in the evening while we were just hanging around the fire, someone pulled up right on our campsite with their lights shining on us so we couldn't get a good look. We figured maybe we had taken the spot they wanted, it was primitively camping, but dirt paths to get around and we camped about 20 yards off the dirt path, and they left after about a minute or two. No big deal. Later that night after we'd fallen asleep I woke up to sounds of an ATV in the woods close. They pulled up about 20 feet away from our tent, sat there for a minute and left. I was feeling uneasy but decided to go back to sleep. Meanwhile BF and dog are sound asleep, WTF. Doze off and what seems to be just an hour or two later I wake up to the roar of several ATVs pulling up on us. I sit up and shake my BF because at this point they are all in our campsite just sitting there. We didn't have a gun on us and the most menacing thing in reach was a machete. We were trying to decide what to do when one starts to pull up closer on us. I lose it and just yell as boldly as I could what the F, assholes and they left. We packed up after waiting to make sure we couldn't hear them anymore and left. Too weirded out to stay. I still don't know about my choice of words. was hitchhiking through germany and decided to guerrilla camp beside the autobahn made my way to a small wood that was maybe 500 meters from the highway it was dark when we got there and all we could hear was crunch 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 as we walked along turned on my torch and the ground was covered in a thick layer of snail shells and as we went further and we started finding things abandoned campsites blood stains on the trees weapon and ammo crates from World War II with the Nazi insignia still visible. To be honest it was the snail shells that creeped me out. There is no godly reason for that many snails to have died there. I have one for this from when I was a boy scout. One night close to dark I was sitting and cooking at my camp stove when I heard a scream. I ran into the woods from the direction I heard it in, and was worried I'd find a woman who had been hurt or worse. I kept hearing this same noise for a good 10 to 15 minutes. Finally I narrowed it down to a small grove of trees in a clearing and I kept hearing the sounds of what I could swear was a woman. I was baffled and thoroughly creeped out. Finally one of my buddies looked up when he heard it and it was a goddamn mountain lion in a tree. We had been lured in by a lion that sounded like a woman. It was super cool but we totally could have been Lion chow. I was camping with my buds and we we all collected some firewood. I pushed over a smallish stump and threw it on the fire. A bit later, I noticed a faint glow coming off the interior of it. I gathered some chunks in a cup and set off to find a ranger. And when I did, he had no idea. He told me to check with the biology department at a college. My friend accidentally threw my samples out on the trip home so I never got an answer. At the time we were teenagers and convinced ourselves it was radioactive because there was a nuclear power plant close by but now I think it might have just been some weird kind of mold. I was paddling through Everglades National Park near Flamingo Marina. It's mostly mangrove forests out there with no real dry land. I was about four miles into my paddle when I came upon a small platform dock sort of thing. Just enough for one person to stand or lay on. On it was a piece of carpeting, a deflated blow-up doll tied to the platform and an empty bucket. This was over ten years ago and I still don't know what to make of it. As a 12-year-old my brother Dan and I were hiking at Point Reyes in North Carolina. This was fall 1977. There had been women murdered in that park around that time. We came around a bend in the trail and a hooded albino man appeared walking toward us. My brother whispered don't look at him but I could not. His eyes were cold cold cold. He seemed to be 7 feet tall cause my brother was 6 feet and this guy may have had a foot over Dan. I nervously said hi but the guy just kept walking. After we passed him I turned around to get a second look but he was vanished. This still gives me the creeps. Camping in Idaho with a few friends. Very remote location. Federal land. We awoke in the morning to some odd sounds outside our tent. Slowly peeked out the tent window only to see hundreds of sheep surrounding us. Hundreds. Skittish as hell, the sheep were, which made it look like they could stampede at any moment. Eventually, a man on horseback came along to herd them across the creek. Once they were finally gone, he turned around and asked Now you boys ain't got one of them using your tent, do ya? He laughed and trotted away. For years, my dad and I and his dad, before he died, rest in peace, have hiked some section of the Wind River range. Last summer, we went up to Chain Lakes, a popular backpacking spot, but not one anyone can handle. So if you know when to go, you can be the only person there. My dad and I get back from a day hike to Cook Lakes and suddenly hear a rolling stampede, at least a half dozen big animals are running, tripping, and huffing. We stop in our tracks, count to ten, felt more like sixty, and hear a .44 Magnum pistol shoot once. Twice. Three times. The commotion quiets but doesn't stop, and we walk forward quietly, Crocs on our feet and swiss army knives set to whatever makes us feel the most protected. Around the corner is a boy my age, at the time I was about 16, with a gun in his hand and five black horses in a disassembled line. On the ground is a white horse, two wolves, and all the backpacking gear that white horse was carrying. Bite marks line the white horse's long neck, and the wolves have bullet holes in their rib cages. The boy looks absolutely deadpan, and as we walk closer to the horse we see where the third bullet went. We help the boy put the packs on another horse, the one in the back, and cross the tight stream back to our camp. I was traveling slash backpacking Kariok style for more than three years. English isn't my first language. Creepiest thing I encountered on the road was a ghost village in Turkey. We were traveling in a group, with a dog, some chickens and a mule. No joke. The village we came to was totally abandoned, old houses, made from natural stones, not even bricks. All clothes, food, furniture and everything was still there. Some of the houses had plates, forks and stuff on the table, as if a family was just about to have dinner. It wasn't just one house though. It was a whole villages. Valuables still there, food in the shelves, crops hanging to dry and all that. Nobody took any of the furniture, looked like all the village left in a terrible rush, very suddenly. We stayed for about a week, nobody really dared to sleep in the houses, so we slept outside except two of us. The more we saw and realized how creepy the village really was, the happier we were about the dog things started getting strange as soon as the dog would start barking a lot in the night and chasing something Chickens started disappearing through the night and the dog couldn't do anything about it probably just some normal predator but it kind of freaked us out and we left we eventually found out that the whole village has moved to a nearby valley they had built new houses still don't understand how the whole village made a move at once and didn't even bother to take anything with them i was gonna go camping with my boyfriend's family one night we decided to do this on a whim so we pack up stuff get on the road and travel a few hours away and try to find this remote camping site It's a bit confusing and we end up giving up as by the time we find it and get everything set up it would have been around midnight. So we decided it's not worth it to continue to look for it. About a week later I find out that the day after we were there. And we were fairly close to the campsite. There's a lake nearby. A few hundred yards from the campsite. A couple of bodies were found the next day. They were killed the night before. We would have been right there if we would have continued to look for the spot former park ranger here got a report of a squirrel that fell from a tree onto the pavement happens often but this one didn't stick the landing obviously paralyzed and in the process of a slow painful death it happened in a crowded urban park families are gathered watching in horror. Squirrels are also gathering. People are all, ooh, how cute. The other squirrels are gathering to help. Yeah, no. That's not how it works. I got there just in time to hear the horrified screams of so, so many traumatized children who just got to see a paralyzed, dying squirrel getting eaten by his brethren. Squirrels can and do scream, by the way, I live near a camp that I used to attend as a child. When I was seven, there was a counselor at the camp who was Russian, the camp has a very large staff exchange program with many different countries, and very weird at that. Counselors said he was incredibly fast, and during staff only campfires he would catch, skin, and eat live rabbits. He could do this crazy, sleeper hold move. It essentially was a strangling move that knocked you out for a few seconds. You came to and were fine a minute later. I saw him do it on a counselor. Once the guy was out for about 10 seconds, he was forbidden to do it after that. However, kids got curious and started asking him to do the move. He would do it in secret, but he would increase the severity of his holds, which would in turn keep the kid knocked out for a longer period of time. One day a camper went missing. He wasn't in his bunk, despite going to bed with his cabin that night. They did a camp-wide search, keeping us all on the soccer field for about two hours. The counselors had to start searching the water. They found his body under the sailing dock, completely out cold, edit, he was alive, but very unconscious. He had the strangle marks around his neck. Everyone knew who it was. They arrested the russian guy and deported him back to russia turns out they never even sent an exchange counselor nobody knew who the eff he was was on a bike trip in olympic national park in march a few years ago it was cold and i was camping at the elwa river campground there were two people in the campsite me and an old forest-slash-veteran-slash-gruff-dude. We nodded at each other and it was tight. Anywho, I woke up the next morning and a shitty Honda Civic was racing around the loop every ten minutes or so, and it was annoying as f. The thing finally stops by my sight, of course, and the driver gets out and starts yelling at the woman he is with, which is followed by him beating on the woman he is with. I nope the f out of there and go hang out with the old dude. I'm on a bike trip, there is nothing I can do in this situation. The other guy gave me some coffee and we decided that we're not messing with those people without a gun. The driver then starts looking into my tent and I'm freaking out because all of my expensive photography shit is in there. Luckily, a park electrician pulls up out of pure dumb luck, and grabs his shovel out of his van because he doesn't have a gun either. He calls the park rangers and 10 minutes later about 5 squad cars show up. God bless that guy because at least he had a blunt metal object and a radio. The rangers arrest the guy, and we find out that he was released from the state prison the night before, picked up his ex-GF, got drugged up, and then drove out into the woods with her. F that shit. I skipped breakfast and did 50 miles just to get the F out of there. my grandpa used to take us mountain biking all through my childhood. One time, it was the middle of the afternoon in a reasonably settled park, asphalt trails, not exactly backwoods, but it was just me, 13 at the time, my 11-year-old brother, and my grandpa. Serene to some, but also very lonely and a little scary, wolves and bears were commonly sighted. My grandpa suddenly came to a stop on the trail ahead of us and motioned for us to do so, too. There was a fresh, glistening blood trail across the bike path, going up into the woods. Grandpa shushed us and pointed up towards the direction of the blood trail, where something in the woods was moving, but only just so. He didn't go to check it out, but got out his wildlife camera and pointed it into the trees, snapping a few photos with the telephoto lens. Then he got back on his bike, and we continued down the trail. We had so many questions, but he was the resident wildlife expert. If Grandpa got really quiet and kept moving, you did, too. A few weeks later he got the photos developed, this wore the pre-digital era, and showed them to us. A young brown bear had been injured, its leg and stomach severely cut up by some other predator, had dragged itself across the bike trail and was dying in the woods not more than 50 feet from where we were on our bikes, just barely obscured by the trees. We still biked through the area occasionally on camping trips, but it always had this haunting, melancholy feeling afterwards, that sense of persistent dread, where something has died. I lived in a small town in rural southwest Missouri. I was exploring the woods near a friend's house when I was in fourth or fifth grade. It was near train tracks and an abandoned train. Sometimes hobos could be found in the area. As we were tracing through we notice a larger deep puddle and I see a bike mostly submerged in the water. It had been there quite a while and was covered in rust. We get closer and I notice Therese also shoes and jeans and a hoodie in the water. The clothing held its shape as if a body was still in there. I didn't look close enough to see if anything was inside the clothing because we heard a creepy noise and high-tailed it out of there. I think back and wonder if it was a skeleton inside. It was weird.